You found it. The no-nonsense, no-script podcast you've been waiting for. Real people on real issues. Welcome to Dynamic Independence. The home of logic, reason, and common sense. Let's do it. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in today. I'm Johnny Anderson, and I'm joined today by Bruce Adams. Good afternoon, Bruce. How are you? Good afternoon. Uh, yeah, still alive, still good. So where do we want to start today? Let me see. We've got, uh, let me see. We've got mortgage and ta- mortgages and taxes. We're going to talk about some of that today. We're going to talk about some new COVID stuff today because, you know, cases are on the rise, right? The U.S. has got all kinds of stuff, and we're probably going to have to relock and all that stuff. You people are a joke. You're a joke. Uh, we're going to talk about what was brought up at the... The Palm Beach County City Council meeting. Uh, We got some uh, clips of some people that were voicing their opinions to so-called medical experts up there and council members on their decisions of what they're going to uh, tell their population to do. You know what? I'm just going to say this and I'm going to say it again by the time we're done. If you want the covid stuff to stop, ignore it. Ignore them. Do not do not. And I'm sorry. Well, you know what? I'll just talk about it later. We'll just talk about it later. Let me see. And we're going to talk some NASCAR today. We're we're going to talk NASCAR because apparently they're blowing this whole thing out of proportion. The FBI's already cleared it. They've already cleared Mm -hmm. it. So now it's just a it's a political game. Al Sharpton's come out. You remember I told you Al Sharpton? He's that sympathizer. Al Sharpton. He's that sympathizer. He's out. So he'll come out for a little while. He'll carry the agenda for a little while and then he'll go away. So he, he is that sympathizer. That's what he does. So he's out now saying that there's not going to be an end to this and there's going to be more that we need to look into. Al, the FBI put it to bed, buddy. Go home. Yeah, go, go back to your show on MSNBC. OK, so thanks for playing. So let's um, let's go ahead and get into um, let's start with the mortgages. OK, so the U.S. has got a mortgage crisis again. So we're back in we're back to 2008, 2009. Right. Sort of. Yeah. So basically what what the problem is, is COVID. Right. And because of all the lockdowns and people not going to work, they're not able to really afford their mortgages. And they're concerned that um, that will continue. Right. They just won't be able to pay it. There was a there was a poll that was showing uh, about 50 percent of Americans were looking to sell their home because they can't pay their mortgage. You know, I remember this back around 2000 and. 2009, I want to say it was 2009. I remember people saying, I mean, I I wasn't obviously I wasn't one of my, you know, was fortunate enough to escape that aspect. But uh, people were being told by their financial advisors and by their banks, just walk away from your homes. Don't pay it. Just, Just walk away. And that's what a lot of people did. So you're telling me we're there again? Pretty much. Yeah. And honestly, it's no fault of the homeowner because it was the government telling you to lock down. It was the government saying you're all going to die of COVID if you don't do what we say. And yeah, we see how well that works. Yeah. And we're, we're starting to go down that road again. And in fact, of those that were polled, 35% of them said um, they actually missed paying their mortgage, at least one payment during the pandemic. It could be a step in order to nationalize housing. They've been wanting to nationalize housing for a long time. See, they have to, in, in the midst of the destruction of this system that they're trying to bring in, they have to be able to set a precedent to nationalize housing. And this is a way they can do it. So if you have a plan in place in order to implode the market and break the housing market, which we kind of knew that the housing market was going to be on self-destruct anyway by what they've been doing. I mean, previous to COVID and, and all this stuff, again, what was happening? They recreated the very same situation from 08 and 09 the last two years. That's what they were doing. You know, I got people I know that work at banks over there and they're telling me that they are told to give out millions and millions of dollars in mortgages to people that don't qualify. So if you've got people that are, I mean, on top of that, I mean, obviously I'm not talking about the people that have lost their jobs and have found themselves on the unfortunate back end of this thing. I'm not talking about that. That's bad enough in and of itself. But the ones that are given the loans that have no chance whatsoever of ever paying it back, that compounds this problem, doesn't it? It does, yeah. They were also talking about how people during this time obviously had to cut back on on buying things like clothes, for example. 71% of those were cutting back on things, uh, clothes, other habits such as uh, getting takeout. It's 66% a cutback on that. Streaming services were almost 50%. 
and groceries were 45%. So like uh, people were cutting back and, you know, this, this kind of honestly kind of segues into a little bit of the other topic we were talking about with government and they're talking about raising taxes. Why can't the government do the same? Why can't they start cutting back their expenditures? But yeah, this is one of the other aspects that we talked about in the beginning stages of this. We're jumping over here into taxes. That's, this is one of the other things in the beginning of all this stuff. We were trying to decide what to do. And I'm talking about when I say we, I'm talking about the U.S. government and all this, you know, financial uh, the Fed and all this stuff. They were trying to figure out what to do. But what was not even considered was anyone coming out saying, let's cut taxes on people that can keep their jobs like that. Mm-hmm. That should have happened immediately. We shouldn't have even had that much of a discussion about it. If you're going to go out and you're going to print money, which is what we're doing now, you might as well have stacks of Monopoly money out there. I mean, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. This is reckless. It's irresponsible. And it's it's unprecedented. This modern monetary theory nonsense, how they're just going to print whatever they need. Uh, You can't do that. And this is going to have dire consequences. I hate to tell you, you're just not going to see it tomorrow morning. You're going to see it later down the line. But that's that's a side issue at the moment. We're talking about taxes. The fact is, is that taxes were not cut. If you're going to print, if you're going to, what do we throw, nine trillion at this problem? Something like that, between seven and nine yeah. trillion. And you're telling me there's another one to three trillion that they're talking about passing. I mean, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's insane. Yep. So why on earth... Like what? Where is the common sense in any of this when it comes to taxes? Why on earth are you going to take in taxes as a government? I don't care which government you are. Why are you going to take in taxes if you're going to print money? Give people the capital injection right directly to them. Don't send out checks. Don't send out stimulus stuff. Don't pass stimulus spending bills and all that garbage because you're going to print anyway. Cut the taxes to zero. We'll deal with it later and we can have that capital injection directly to the consumer and they can spend. See, if you send checks out to people, what are they going to do? They're going to do a couple of things. One, they're going to sit on it or two. They're going to use it to pay off some debt they've already got, which is going to be irrelevant anyway in the state of hyperinflation because the notes don't change. Those that don't know history. So if money becomes worthless, you can pay your house off in a day. You know, right? That's how that works. Just saying. So historically, notes don't change in a time of hyperinflation in a nation. So you're not going to have to worry about your mortgage for very much longer if they continue to destroy the money. Why didn't they just cut taxes directly to all U.S. citizens? Why wasn't that even discussed? Where's the common sense? Where, where's the logical thinking in any of that? Instead, no, we're going to t- we're going to talk now about raising taxes. I mean, I understand you want to raise taxes later down the line when you're established. That's the point. So governments can cut taxes in a time where they where they're going through a down period, which right now we're going through a down period. We're dipping down. Right. We're in an economic recession, you know, soon to be a depression if this nonsense keeps up. So and I mean, a great depression, bigger than the greatest depression. All right. That, that's the level we're talking here. So because you're going to have hyperinflation on top of it and it's going to be unbelievable. But you want to cut taxes in a time of a recession. You want to cut taxes. You don't want to raise taxes. Now's not the time to be raising taxes. You want to cut the taxes. So when you come out of the recession, you have the excess capital on the other side that you can actually raise taxes on and the government can then bring in the surplus money. That's the point. That's the point. You, you don't want to raise taxes now. That's foolish. And what did you say they were going to raise them on? Uh, some of the ones that they were they were pondering were um, things like sin taxes, so alcohol, cigarettes, that sort of thing, homes, mm-hmm. and the large tech giants. Okay, so this is that levying the tax on the rich kind of thing. Yeah, some of it is definitely going to be that. And honestly, this this is where there there needs to be some kind of repercussion. If you're going to hand out the the money like they did, and to businesses especially. And you see them go in and start buying back their own stocks to raise the prices of the stocks to benefit the the stock, you know, the shareholders. There should be some kind of repercussion. Or how about the ones that were firing people, right, and giving their CEOs a raise? Should there not be some kind of repercussion for that, for taking government money when the, the intention was you were supposed to give it to the people? It never should have went to the businesses for the the people's pay, right? I I would have rather them not give money out at all and just cut taxes like you were saying. But unfortunately, uh, the government doesn't know how to, I'm I'm, I'm still 
of the opinion that we should have a budget and all that, and this monetary theory is going to destroy us. And I, I know you're on board, uh, on board with that. Mm. I, I no, don't sit there and just start throwing money around. You need to cut back on your spending, cut back on you know these bloated uh, departments that we have that we don't need. This all should have been privatized more, in my opinion. And this is we're seeing more and more like not just signs of that, but the woes of this is what happens when we have too much federal involvement or government involvement in general. And we don't privatize things as we were talking with the the housing. They want to nationalize it. Well, if you nationalize that and you nationalize the healthcare, number one, does it look like they can afford to do that? I mean, they can't even balance the budget now with what little that they spend it on, which they spend it on a lot because there's like 400 different departments, but that should be tourniqueted down to maybe 100 tops. But you expect those people, that government, how ineffective they are. And it just, I I can't imagine them running that stuff. And then now you're beholden to them and you have to do what they say. You know, Biden's talking about he's going to use the federal government if he's elected president to mandate wearing a masks. Well, we're just going down the road to social credit scoring because if the government runs everything, if they have housing, if they have medical, the medical care and, and, and businesses are beholden to them because of the bailouts and whatnot, and they've had, they have a share or stake in the business. And now if you don't do what the government says, well, you lose your house, you lose your medical care, you lose your job. Uh, no, this is just, it's dangerous on so many different levels and we're just, we're, we're running into it headlong. Yeah, you mentioned something there about uh, businesses being required rather than cut the taxes. Businesses were still required to cover their expenses. You know something on top of cutting the taxes that should have been done, right? It should have been zero taxes. I mean, zero. Cut them for 12 months. See where you are on the other end of it. Right. Cut them to zero. Zero out all taxes for 12 months. See where you are on the other end of it. Right. Makes perfect sense. Second, everything, all debts. Every single debt, anything you had to make a payment on because we were going down that road should have been frozen. Everything, all car loans, all let me put it this way. Utilities, obviously, you can't just stop those. Right. You got to pay those. Mm-hmm. So because you, right. you got to keep the public utilities working. OK, so th- we can make an exception there. But as far as anything else, if you have a note on something, if you have a promissory note, as in you have a loan on something like a business, you have to pay rent to that particular building owner. You have to pay mortgage back to the bank for the uh, for the building you own for your business. All that should have been frozen. All of it. And then on top of that, you had taxes at zero. So they owed nothing that way. On the other side, you wouldn't have to worry about having all this this mortgage crisis and the businesses closing and this and that because they wouldn't have had to owe anything outside of the utilities. I mean, utilities are easy enough. You can float those, especially if the business is closed, then you can still you can skate by because if you don't have a big usage, you're not going to have the big bill. Right. So it becomes manageable. My point is, is this could have been avoided. All this stuff could have been avoided. And the bigger question, the bigger question is, and, and we'll jump over into um, we'll jump over to COVID because I heard you mention uh, Joe Biden there. But the bigger question in this is, is now the people that destroyed the U.S. economy, and I'm talking about that little worm, that that little scumbag Fauci, right? That guy, him. Yeah, the pharmaceutical guy, the, the Bill and Melinda Gates guy. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, the, the little the little twerp. The Grim Reaper in a Gucci suit, him. He destroyed the U.S. economy. He did. His recommendations, his BS numbers, he destroyed the U.S. economy. He's not the only one. And now you've got governors that are coming around listening to his nonsense again, talking about reclosing states. Cases are spiking. Well, of course, they're going to spike. You're doing more testing. Now, they're coming back. COVID round two, obviously, right? We, we knew this one was coming. They're going to have to shift. They have to go back to something else. Not a single so-called news outlet, not one, is saying anything about the looting, the rioting, the burning, the smashing, nothing. That's not the problem. All the problem is, I actually heard somebody talking about CNN. CNN is saying that the people that that are causing the spikes in cases are the people that stayed home, if you can believe it. (laughs) You couldn't make it up. You couldn't make that up. So now states are requiring, they're mandating you wear these masks. You know what this is? It's, this is not about public health, right? For, forget all that nonsense, right? Public health, it, it's out the window. These people don't care about public health. They don't care about it. You that are sitting in your home, you're concerned, you're worried, you're scared. You're putting too much faith in these frauds. They are frauds. 
They're lying to you. And they think it's funny. They think it's funny that you're scared. People like Joe Biden come out and they they throw their weight around like he's some kind of relevant thing. Joe Biden can't have a rally with more than three people because that's how popular he is. He's a joke. These people are all jokes. If they mandate that people wear masks in a state, let's say they mandate that in California, which they're, they're doing right. That Gavin Newsom's done that. Mm-hmm. They mandate yeah. that people wear masks in California. Well, what if you have 10 million people that tell that governor to go to hell? What are you going to do then? What if you have sheriffs that won't enforce it? What are you going to do then? You've got a sheriff in the state of Washington. He's come out from Lewis County, right? He's come out and he said, here's what I say. Don't be a sheep. Oh, no, a virus. Quick, burn the Bill of Rights. You going to listen to these people? You going to listen to these frauds, the, these, these control freaks? You going to listen to them? Because I'm not. You know, if a business wants to mandate that they have a mask or something, okay, that's fine. That's a business's right. I'm sorry. You know, I'm, I stand firm on that. I don't agree with it in this case, but that's a business's right if that's what they want to do. Businesses don't have liability protection. And until they get it, they're going to do everything they can to protect themselves. And I don't blame them. Mm-hmm. So if a business wants to do that, that's their prerogative. But requiring that you wear one of these things outside, just if you step out of your house, where were they? All these all these good progressive governors, these frauds, these traitors, where were they on social distancing, where, which that's a joke in and of itself. That's not about public health. That's not about preventing the spread of a disease. That's about training the populace for biometric IDs, if you didn't know already. Where were these governors? Where were these mayors a few weeks ago when these, quote, protests? Where were they when they were out there in the streets walking with those protesters with no masks on if they're so important? If they're so needed, if they're so necessary, where were they? They didn't care about it a couple of weeks ago when the riots were working in their favor. Oh, now see that they don't have riots anymore. They burned everything out now. They've looted everything. Now they're moving on to something else. Now they're coming back to you. Don't you see? It's not about a a, a pandemic. It never was. They were going to trigger those riots one way or the other. They triggered them sooner rather than later. They were supposed to trigger something along those lines around August, September. That was their timetable for those rights. Those were coming regardless. But the George Floyd case gave them exactly what they needed. That bastard cop gave it to them on a silver platter and they ran wild with it. So the pandemic was supposed to continue. But see what they do with the pandemic now that it's out there now, now that now that it's out in the populace, what's happening now? It's become a political game. It's a, it's a political football. It's nonsense. But they're placating to a population that are largely unaware. So it sets a precedent for them to come in and turn that on and off whenever they want. They reclassified everything in the midst of it. You know, GP and I looked at the numbers, Bruce, with the three of us, we sat down, we looked at the numbers. The state of New York stopped all deaths for three weeks. It was incredible. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. Yeah. So what do they do? They classify every death as COVID. Yeah, 200 deaths in one area of Germany. And what did the, uh, the forensic pathologist say? Every single person, he did postmortem on all of them. He said every single person died of something else. They might have tested positive. Hell, George Floyd tested positive for COVID. Mm-hmm. It's a joke. It's a joke. It's the biggest fraud if there ever was one. I'm not saying that it's not a real virus. That's not what I'm saying. I've never said that. What I'm saying is it's being used as a political tool. That's what it was designed to do. And you pick the most common thing out there, a coronavirus. There's a whole family of those things. There's tons of them. And they're just about everywhere you put your hands. That's the beauty of picking a coronavirus, because then they can set the precedent to use it however they need it. And why is it? Why is it that? The, I mean, you know, we've talked about how they doctored it up in a lab and all that stuff. Why did they do that? Now, see, th- there's the other aspect to it. Why do they have patents on these things? We've pulled the patents before. You know, the, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the, the patent numbers they have for these these uh, supposed vaccines, whether they're new patents or old patents, it's irrelevant. The fact is, is they have them. Why? Why do they have patents on that? Why do they have the actual genetically modified virus itself that's split with other viruses? Why? So they can own it. That's the point of it. They own the virus. They own the agenda. They own the control aspect of society and of you. So it allows them to turn around and, and, and keep people scared and keep people in fear. And, you know, oh, you go outside, you're going to you're going to infect all these people. What did we see during the first wave of it? Right. I'm not, I'm just I'm again, air quotes, first wave of it. Empty hospitals. Didn't see any hospitals getting overrun, did you? Now, all of a sudden, they're slammed full. They're jam packed. Huh. Well, why is that? 
Could it be because they reclassified everything? People go to hospitals regardless. So where does it end? Where does it end? It ends when you tell these people to drop dead. That's when it ends. We the people push back and say, I don't want any part of this. That's where it stops. Until people come together and reject the idea wholeheartedly of these sick freaks, nothing will change. Do you hear me? Nothing will change. They've taken control of society and they are not going to give it back. We, the people, are going to have to take it back from them. They have hijacked society and now you have to take it back from them. They're not going to give it back until we make them give it back. So let's go down to Palm Beach County, right? This is a uh, this is a clip from a city council meeting down in Palm Beach. And I want you to hear one of the residents down there talking about how this is an overstep of authority. Now, they've mandated that people wear face masks down there. So and I want you to hear this lady. I want you to hear what she's got to say at the city council meeting. You literally cannot mandate somebody to wear a mask knowing that that mask is killing people. It literally is killing people. And my the people, we the people, are waking up. And we know what citizen's arrest is. Because citizen's arrests are already happening. Okay? And every single one of you that are obeying the devil's laws are going to be arrested. And you... Doctor are going to be arrested for crimes against humanity. Every single one of you have a smirk behind that little mask, but every single one of you are going to get punished by God. You cannot, you cannot escape God. You cannot escape God. I'm going to say that again. You cannot escape God, not even with the mask or six feet. Okay. Six feet, like I said before, is military protocol. You're trying to get the people to train them. So when the, the cameras, the 5G comes out, what? They're, they're going to they're gonna scan everybody. We got to get scanned. We got to get tempered. Kids have to go to school with masks. Are you insane? Are you crazy? I think all of you should be in a psych ward right the heck now. Because none of you, none of you know what the hell you are all talking about. This is insane. And then you want to open this meeting with a prayer to God. Are you praying to the devil? Because God is not listening to that prayer. Because all of you are practicing the devil's laws. What happened to Bill Gates? Why is he not in jail? Why is Hillary Clinton not in jail? Why are all of, the, all of these pedophiles that are demanding you all to, to listen to their rules? Why are they not in jail? Oh, is it because you're part of them? Thank are you, you part of the deep your state? Time has expired. The deep state is going and down. And if any of you are morning. in the deep state, you're going down with it. I'm your thoughts, Bruce? It's a bit of a live wire. Some of the points I agree with. That's a tough one because there's a lot of a lot of emotion in there and not enough really. Are we seeing citizens arrest? No. Are we getting tired of their antics and everything? Yeah. Yeah. The, I, I think people are to a degree. And are people waking up to it to a degree? I don't know. I'm not totally on board with everything. Just she pulled out the the whole the devil laws or yeah. whatever. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, that that one, she, that she's a firecracker. I was like, she oh. is a firecracker. I'll yeah. give her that. Yeah. So it, pulling out the religious stuff, even though I'm a religious person, when you start pulling that out and you start beating people over with it. Oh, yeah. OK, I, I have to I, I take a step back and I'm like, nope. Um, well, maybe she's so that, that, that's where it killed it for me. Yeah. OK. All right. Fair enough. But maybe maybe on that point, maybe she was making reference to the fact that what they're doing is evil. And it is. It, it is. What they're doing is evil. How they're treating people, how they're manipulating people, how they're uh, their disdain for the the average public. It's evil. You can call that the devil or whatever, but it's evil at the end of the day. Right. Yes and no. Uh, and the reason I say that is. I'm not entirely sure all of them are being, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I, I don't think it's necessarily intended by all of them. I, I think some of them actually are truly trying to do what's, what they believe is best for the people. It's just they're given wrong information, right? I, I, I think that's what probably majority of them are. Uh, we're seeing places like, you know, obviously Washington State, that's not the case, for example. But uh, yeah. Yes, we are not seeing the citizens arrest. I'm sorry to say, because I would honestly uh, and as sure as I'm sitting here, as sure as I'm sitting here, this keeps up. You're going to see the citizens arrest. You're going to see because I tell you what, the police, the police right now, I've said this before and I'll say it again. The police have an obligation to arrest these people, these mayors, 
These governors, these city council people, they have an obligation to arrest these people for the crimes that they're committing against the United States and its people. They've turned their back on our way. They've turned their back on the Constitution that they swore an allegiance to. They swore an oath to. Now, if that doesn't warrant an arrest, I don't know what does. I really don't know what does. So if you're actively working against the people. Uh, sorry, go ahead. I, don't, I, I honestly don't think because as we've seen, the people that are that are trying to stand up for the Constitution, they're the ones that are being vilified. They're exactly. the ones that are seeing like the police lines, massive amounts of police and everything. But then the ones that are being violent protesters, you're either seeing smaller numbers or no numbers at all for the police, or at least that's what the media is showing. So I'm not entirely sure that the police as a whole are going to jump on on the side of. Well, of here, here's the thing. The, you the want constitution. The, yes, you want the mobs in the streets to stop. You got to arrest the people that are enabling them. That's the point. Because we, we've talked about that before. By them giving cover to the mobs from the top, the top down, bottom up, it, it's the pressure we were talking about. It's a pincher, right? It, it's essentially, mm-hmm. it's a pincher. That's what it is. And so it's like a pincher maneuver when it comes to uh, military tactics. Same concept. No matter where you go, they're squeezing you from both sides. So you're stuck. Kind of like the Soviets and the Nazis at, at Stalingrad. So it was a it was a pincher maneuver. This is what they're doing, but they're doing it from a, a political standpoint, not a military standpoint, although you could call it that almost. The administrations at the top are giving cover in collusion with the media to the mobs in the streets. They're giving that cover. They're fueling that. So if you arrest the people that are enabling the bot, the people at the bottom to press up, to force that pressure up from the bottom, then that will go away. On top of that, on top of that, you've got most of these people that are out there. They're getting paid three hundred dollars a day to go out there and, quote, protest three hundred dollars a day. They're paying good money to be a, a professional protester. Believe me. And by the way, here's something else. Here's a nice little tidbit for you. They get a bonus if they get arrested. Just saying. So this is why you see the the county jails and the city jails that are full of people from out of town, because they're getting paid a bonus to go there and get arrested so they can overwhelm the system. See how that works? Again, you arrest the right people, you can actually detonate the whole criminal network, as in you can bring it all down. But you have to be willing to do it. If the police officers are not going to do it, if they're not going to do it now or soon, then we the people are going to do it. And at that point, nothing against the police officers, as I've made my stance on the police officers clear. They are some of the best men and women we have over there, aside from the military. And I have nothing but respect for those of you that wear the uniform. But I will tell you right now, if it gets to a point where you will not arrest these people, then we the people will arrest these people from a citizen standpoint. And at that point, you'll have to step aside. You have no obligation whatsoever at that point to protect these people. None. This is why they're trying to get rid of you. These people hate you if you're a cop. They hate you. You see what they're doing to you. They're vilifying you every day, every day. They don't stand up for you. They don't care about you. So why do you protect them? Why do you protect these people? I want to see. God, I I, I just I'm getting tired of this. Honestly, it's meant to make you tired. It's meant to make you tired. I understand. I, I understand. But. My point is, is more what I'm getting tired of is the law enforcement as a whole isn't necessarily standing with people in the, in the constitutional rights. Of course, vice versa, the people aren't standing with law enforcement either. So, I mean, we should not be dividing ourselves. We should be trying to work together as Americans. Yes. We're, yes. We're, we're all on the same team here. <laughs> we're, we're not. Well, we are. We, we are. But the, my, my issue is, you're right. I'm in total agreement with you. But the people that are in these positions, these governors, these mayors, they, these people, they, they're traitors. They have no allegiance to America any longer. That's clear. That's clear. Look at how look at how the mayor of Chicago is treating her own council people that are trying to stand up for their district. Look how they're treated. They, they have no concern for the general public. None. The thing is, is that all these good progressives, all these good, uh, these good liberal woke types, right? You get rid of this system. Let me explain something to you. You get rid of this system. Do you know what happens? And I'm talking historically here. You know what happens? You people are going to be out there on the streets starving. That's what's going to happen. That's real. That's real, you idiots. And when you complain about it to a police department that you've replaced... To those good people you're going to put in charge of keeping law and order. When you complain about it to them, do you know what they're going to do to you? They're going to stomp your guts out and then they're going to haul you off to a prison camp is what's going to happen for complaining about the people's paradise. You idiots. You absolute fools. 
Every time in history that happens, every single time. So why is this time going to be any different? Yes, we the people should be united. But when you have trash like this, that's hell bent on destroying the society, it's hard to have a conversation with that. Wouldn't you agree? It's hard. Yeah. And the thing is, is they're they're pushing us to be even more and more divided. Right. The whole racial nonsense. Right. Uh, yes. I'm sorry. America isn't racist. Show me how it is. Where is it racist? We're seeing, uh, for example, research papers have come out and are saying that, well, this is purely racism because uh, like one example, there was one study done where a the woman that was doing the research donned a burqa or whatever, the, the Muslim head garb, mm-hmm. and decided to go out in the public and interact with the public and see how she would be treated. And she found that people were kind and, and you know, uh, generous and so on and so forth. And, and she concluded that people were so racist and so concerned about the racism that they were masking it around her. There is no winning, in other words. If you are trying, like, legitimately, if you're a kind person, right, or you're a generous person and you show that generosity to anyone and everyone, what they're doing is saying that's racism. You're racist. Or the fact that it was a study on um, Israel, right? The law enforcement there. Mm-hmm. And they were saying that the researcher was saying that the law enforcement were raping Palestinian women. What? They went and looked for the, yeah, they went and looked for the data, could find no data supporting that perspective. So they concluded that the law enforcement is so racist that they won't rape Palestinian women. That's the mindset we're coming up against. I'm just trying to I'm trying to figure out. I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, I will sit down and have a dialogue with anybody. But Mm -hmm, if you're mm -hmm. constantly bombarded with someone that's just mentally wrecked and and doesn't have a thought of any kind, they're just whipped up into this frenzy of uh, of hatred and paranoia. Mm -hmm. How are you supposed to have a, a dialogue with someone like that? I mean, I love to sit down and talk to people that I don't agree with specifically because I want the dialogue. I want mm-hmm. that opposing point of view. And there's there's times where I've looked at that opposing point of view and I thought, you know what, maybe that's the way that I should see it because I've never looked at it like that. And I'll readjust how it, that's the point of the dialogue. But they don't understand that it can't be one way. It cannot be one way. Even if you believe in this, uh, this full-blown uh, direct democracy that they're calling it, which is, you know, it's a fancy Bernie Sanders term for socialism. Even if you believe in direct democracy, you have to understand, at least from that standpoint, a democracy means you have opposing points of view. So if you're calling for a direct democracy, then you want the opposing points of view. But when you talk to them, they say, oh, well, we can have an opposing point of view until we don't agree with it. And then that's when the conversation ends, which doesn't make any sense in and of itself. They don't make any sense. The direct democracy side of it that they're advocating for, which they're not going to get, by the way, they don't understand that you have to have more than one point in a democratic system. No, see, you, you have to jump on board with what they tell you. And if you don't, gulag for you. <laughs> yes, that's what I said. Someone goes out. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, these uh, the these skinny jeans wearing idiots out there that are that are walking around with a thousand dollar iPhone in their pocket uh, wanting socialism. I tell you what, you're going to get it. You're going to get if if you are successful and you get it, you're going to be the first to go. I'm telling you, that is not going to be some paradise and you're not going to have that iPhone. I assure you. I assure you. So oh, yeah, keep fighting. Keep fighting for that. Look at chop. Look at how well that's doing. Have you heard the recent on that on Chop? Um, okay, let's talk about Chop for a second. That that's a good point you bring up there. Uh-huh. Let, let's talk about Chop for a second. So the Seattle mayor is saying that I heard her say a few days ago that they are going to go in and they're going to shut it down. This is what I heard last night. They haven't shut it down yet, but we're still waiting on some kind of a plan. But supposedly, the quote leaders of Chop have told. All of the people there, they've made announcements in their little public square or whatever it is they have, their little Hyde Park they created in there, or Union Square, I guess, because we're in the U.S., not the U.K., but their little uh, their little council of leaders and all that stuff, they, they, uh, they announced to people in there to go home and to support Joe Biden, but apparently people haven't left. What have you heard? So there's more or less two to three dozen people left, roughly. I mean, it's... 
the numbers have greatly dwindled. That's the last figures I've heard. Granted, it's uh, that was last night. And there's plans being brought forward to, to retake the precinct and retake that area, get things cleaned up, so on and so forth. They're, they're working on plans to go in and do that now. You know, if they haven't already, I haven't heard anything and the media isn't talking anything about that. Go figure. But yeah, it failed. Their, their little experiment of socialism failed. Are we surprised? No. I mean, name me a country where it's been successful. Never seen one. Oh, Venezuela. Oh, wait. Man, those poor people down there. You know, I honestly, I, I'm one of those people. See, that's that's the difference between their form of, of humanitarianism and, and someone like us. We actually have empathy for those poor people down there. I want the Venezuelan people to have a good life. Did you ever see what Venezuela looked like? Well, Bruce, you and I saw it. We watched the videos. Mm-hmm. I would advise anybody who or who's listening, please see if you can find them on YouTube. I think that's where we found them at the time. I'm not sure if they're still up there or not, but go back and look at what Venezuela was like back in the 1950s. Just go back and look at that. Watch one of their tourism videos or, or something like that from from something like that, because that's that's basically it's, I mean, they try to show the best of things. But even so, even from, you know, a, a tourism video, look at the difference. Look at how Venezuela was in 1950, 1960, and then look at it today. Venezuela, for those that don't know, Venezuela has more natural resources per capita than any other nation on Earth. And look at how those poor people are treated. Look at how they live because of the promise of a people's utopia. They're unable to live like kings. I mean, they could. They, they could. Every single person down there would want for nothing for generations from now until God knows when. But because of the promise of a direct democracy, because of the promise of socialism, you see how they have to live. They can't even afford a dozen eggs for a month. I think they ate all their house pets a couple of years ago and all the zoo animals. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, I, I really believe in in empathy when it comes to that kind of stuff. The um, the U.S. Navy hospital ship, the Comfort, the one that was in New York Harbor, you know, the one that they sent up there to deal with the overflow of the covid crisis that never happened. Yeah, that one. Where was it before it was called up to the New York Harbor? It was in Caracas. It was in Venezuela providing free medical care to those people in Venezuela that can't get it. So, see. There are those of us out here who are real humanitarians, who really believe in helping people. And more than that, we believe in helping people to help themselves. See, when I mentioned the thing about uh, Venezuela having all the natural resources, all those natural resources and all those aspects of, of creating wealth, if they had the correct system in place to be able to make sure that the wealth was actually built the way that it's properly built, There's an order and a process to build and facilitate societies to make it successful. I've talked about it here before, but it has to be followed. And the reason I say, well, it's not a be all end all. I mean, I'm not the only person said that. I've just read that in history books. It's because they are known to be successful progressions of building societies. That's why I make them as a reference point, because they've built great wealth, especially here in the West. Western civilization, it's the strongest, most powerful civilization that's ever been created by humankind. It's not perfect. We've had our fair share of problems. It's almost destroyed itself a few times, but we've always managed to reorganize and come up with a new idea, come up with a new age of expansion. That's how we were able to continue on. And it's because we laid the foundation of the civilization in the right form. It wasn't done incorrectly. And on top of that, we weren't aided by anyone else. We weren't advanced in other areas, whereas a place like China, I think since the 90s, I don't think they've invented anything past the firecracker that they haven't stolen. They were given an unfair advantage because of people that made deals here in the West to advance them much further than what they were ever supposed to be. See, societies have to be built and maintained and upgraded from within in order to be successful. However, when you advance other nations much further than they should be, Example, I don't know what what's that one thing we always talk about. Uh, the Mueller, uh, Robert Mueller, he gave uh, gave the North Koreans the nuclear samples. Yeah, that one. You know, he was the bag man in that deal. The uh, the Clintons also brokered that. By the way, we gave the North Koreans nuclear technology. Could they have figured that out themselves? Probably not. Well, maybe they could have if their if their society was built the right way. But it's not. So we gave it to them. That's like giving a a, a handgun to a, a to a chimp. You you can't do that. This is the other aspect. I mean, we did this after the end of the Second World War. We turned the nuclear bomb 
that that technology, we turned that into an energy source and we made it open source. We gave it to other nations. Now, you can call this um, isolationist or, or whatever you want. But the fact is, is when we did that, when we made it open source, when we allowed the Soviets to get a hold of that technology, when we allowed the Japanese to get a hold of that technology, what did we do? We advanced their societies through our ingenuity and our scientific progress. We advanced their societies much further than they should have been. So it put them in another position that they otherwise wouldn't have been in. This is why we had the Cold War. The fact is, is that there's an order and a process to build societies. We have to make sure that that process is followed and it has to be followed as closely as possible for what works. And so you talk about overthrowing the system. You talk about getting rid of, of everything in, in U.S. society. Well, what are you going to replace it with? You're going to replace it with what you got there and chop? <laughs> that's that's real successful. You know, I'm all for I'm all for something better. Always. You know, I believe in the natural evolution of things of society and of progress, real progress, that kind of stuff. You know, I believe in in the way that we built the West in general. I, I believe in the way we've done that because it's been successful. And we've created this big fat middle class that's able to take care of itself. You know, we're we're probably one of the only places in the world that can actually do that. And so what do we need to do in order to make that process better? See, they want to drag us back a thousand years. They want to take us back to pre-colonial era, right? That's where they want us. I'm talking about the elites here. That's where they want us. Groups like the United Nations. That's where they want people. They want nation states dissolved. They want everything consolidated. And they want all of us living in squalor. It's neo-feudalistic serfdom. That's what they want. That's their goal. The abolition of the nation state. And so if we're going to do this, then we have to throw organizations like that out. Trump sent out a tweet a couple of days ago. He says, should we defund the United Nations and then leave it? I say yes. What about you? I'm always for smaller government. And uh, the UN's trying to be a international uh, government. So, uh, yeah, defund it. Get out of there. They haven't done anything for us. We don't need to be sending our troops off to, to fight other people's wars. So let's talk NASCAR. Let, let's jump over to NASCAR. Uh, old Bubba Wallace. The whole thing. OK, everybody's heard about the story by now. There was a uh, I'll just sum it up. There was there's a, the only black driver in NASCAR, Bubba Wallace. Uh, there was said to have been a, a noose that was found in his in his garage at the Talladega Super Speedway. And so obviously the FBI was sent in to investigate and they did their investigation, interviewed all these people. And they were able to find out that the rope itself was simply a, a it was tied onto the garage door where you could actually just pull down the garage door. And not only was it in that garage that he was assigned to randomly, I might add, it was also there. It was placed there two to three years ago. So after the FBI 2014. OK, all right. So yep. all right. So six years ago. Mm -hmm. So after the FBI did their investigation and they concluded that there was it wasn't a news. It was just a rope on a garage door. They said, OK, off we go. Well, now Mr. Wallace has come out and said on CNN, on Don Lemon's show, that he still believes it is a news. And of course, NASCAR is taking that same line. They still believe it is a news. And of course, Al Sharpton, like I said, Mr. Sympathizer, he's come out. He's he's taken up the cause for a little while. He'll carry the torch for a little bit. And he has said that the investigation is not over and there's going to be more inquiries. Well, the FBI's called it a, a done deal. So what do you have on it? Like you said, the um, it was 2014. I've seen pictures each year, right? You see this noose, quote unquote noose, doing the finger quotes, in each one of the garage, you know, in the garage, in the background of a picture, right? And it's it's literally the pull down, you know, the, the pull the garage door down, right? Mm -hmm. And the media has been playing with, you know, different artistic photographs of it, right? And showing you a cropped image, not showing you what it's connected to, which is important. And it's also kind of distorting the size of the noose, because when you really put it into perspective in the photo, it's literally only big enough to really get your hand inside of it. So this is just, I, I don't know whether he knew this and was just trying to use this as a uh, Jesse Smollett thing, or if this was legitimately like NASCAR started this because it, it wasn't him. He wasn't the one that found it. It was someone else. And then it was reported. And I don't know if he just is an opportunist and jumped the board and was like, hey, this will get me some fame because he's not really, as far as I'm aware, isn't the greatest NASCAR racer of all time. So he doesn't really get all that much publicity. Nah, it, it's just 
it's silly. They had 15 FBI agents investigate this. It came back that it's just a garage door pull down. I feel like there's a uh, there's a bigger element in play here. Now, this is just my opinion. I'm going to throw this out there. I feel like there's a bigger element in play. And what I mean by that is I feel like this is almost like a Colin Kaepernick moment. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As in what's Colin Kaepernick have? He really doesn't want to play. So he's making more money with like the Nike endorsements and being a um, an activist, we'll say. So he's, he's making more money doing that. And again, here's a guy that I think is possibly trying to do the same thing. He will be offered behind the scenes, possibly a big deal with one of these sporting companies, because obviously NASCAR, that's a sport. So he'll be endorsed by all these corporations that are pigpiling on this big BLM movement for the PR side of it. And so they will then come out. The, the the athlete themselves, and in this case, I mean, you know, professional sports star like this, I mean, you can say what you want, but to get to NASCAR, that's like the ultimate pinnacle in, in American motorsports. That's where you want to be. That's where the money is. So the fact that you're there uh, represents that you, you have to be good. Otherwise, they wouldn't have you. So I have no doubt that he's a talented person to be there in the first place. So I guess the bigger issue to this is, is that he wants to, in turn, be the activist for the other sport. And he wants the other endorsements. Maybe he's not getting that attention, like you said. Maybe he's not getting that attention that way so he can get the attention this other way and get paid big money by the sports companies like Nike or Reebok or or one of these companies to carry the message, kind of like Colin Kaepernick's doing with Nike. So here's here's an interesting fact, by the way. I I was curious. I just pulled this up, right? NASCAR drivers can typically make up to 20 million a year. Yes. That's why I said it's the pinnacle of American motorsports. That's where all the money's at. Uh Right. But my point is why if you're making I, I, I don't care, even if it's not 20 million a year, you're making five million a year or something like that. Right. Why do you need this kind of a story? Why was it so hard for you to sit up there and say, look, there was a there was a rope hanging there. It did look like a noose, but I'm going to reserve, you know, calling it a noose or any of that kind of stuff until the investigation's done. Let's just sit back and, you know, see what the investigation holds. Wouldn't that have been a better approach, especially as someone that is a, a quote unquote leader, if you will, because, you know, this is this is NASCAR. He's the only black NASCAR driver. So wouldn't it have been great on your image and character to to you know sit back and be like, you know, l- l- let's take this easy and let it you know play out. But instead, he took the route of Jesse Smollett. Now, when the, uh, a noose really shows up, by the way, when I thought of noose, I always thought of like westerns. I never thought of lynching black people, but you know that that's that's a you know the gallows back back in the day, not uh, right. actually. Right. Uh, anyway, that's a side note, but. Now, the image of a, a noose is slowly being converted to boy who cried wolf. And as they keep doing this, it's going to be, okay, you guys are just seeking attention. So when someone really comes forward and legitimately has something, my first reaction will be, you're just seeking attention. Scram. I, I, I don't care. Right. And that's what I think is is dangerous with the games they're playing. This really needs to be addressed with some um uh, shall i say wisdom and and just you know take it easy just wait for the facts to come out wisdom doesn't play into their uh into their agenda bruce i thought you would figure that out by now mm. they don't care yeah. Yeah. they don't care about the truth when they have facts isn't that what joe biden said yeah well we've seen that that's the marching mantra of the left and most politicians now nowadays in the middle of the, the the moment when something happens, we have to act now. We can't wait for the facts. We can't wait for the statistics. We have, you know, a problem. We have lots of people being killed by guns. We have to act now and ban guns or change they pl- guns into whatever. They placate on people's emotions, don't they? They, they catch exactly. you at the moment when you're emotionally distressed. And what happens when you're emotionally distressed? What, what happens when you're whipped up into this frenzy of, of uh, worry and, and sadness and, and you're upset all the time? What happens? Your sense of, of reasoning and thinking critically goes out the window. You don't have that. So this is why they placate on this. Whenever there's a big event like this and things start coming out in the media and it's you're being overloaded and bombarded, then they come out immediately and say, well, we have to do this. We have to do this. We have to do this. Same thing with the legislation. We know the day 
that there's a mass shooting somewhere in the U.S., God forbid, you know, I mean, that we know that when that happens, they've already got it in a drawer somewhere. The legislation, it's already ready to go mm-hmm. every single yep. time, every single time. And last time, this is why it went away after the Vegas thing. Trump actually, it, to his credit, he turned that back on them. He went to Feinstein and said, well, OK, I'm on board with uh, with gun legislation. Bring me what you got. They presented him with a bill and it banned everything. I mean, everything. Mm-hmm. It was total gun. It was total gun ban on everything. Abolition. I mean, you turn them all in. Right. That's what it was. And as soon as Trump turned around and said, OK, all right, thank you. That was the end of it. Uh, he says, yeah, we're not going to do it. Yes. I mean, that's that's the whole point. And you see, they haven't come back with anything since because they tipped their hand. So to his credit, he actually got him to tip their hand on it, seeing that seeing what yeah. they could get through. Instead, it was just they threw all their cards out on the table because they have no time left. They have no time left. The system is dying. The the old system, the old guard, they're dying politically. That's what I mean. They're flailing. They're doing everything they can to scare people into submission. Rather, it's it's race war. Rather, it's a pandemic. Rather, it's uh, a financial crisis, an economical crisis. They're doing everything they can to try and drag us down with them. That's their goal. They have to burn it all to the ground, because if not, if they don't do it and Trump gets reelected, they're all going to prison for a very long time. So they have to do this. I'm not saying they want to. I'm saying that they have to. That's where they're at. They're at endgame. This is the end game of the establishment in the West in general. Not just one country here, but the U.S. is at the heart of it. You're not wrong, though, about them dying. They're all getting old and decrepit physically that too So they don't have much time just because they're getting old yeah but yeah yeah that too for those of you that have not and you would like to please do give us a follow over on the platform of parlor we would love to get your comments love to get your feedback your likes your echoes uh and everything else we uh we do appreciate hearing from you and we try to answer all of the um all the feedback that you do give us and we appreciate those of you that have reached out to us uh and we do thank you for listening also if you do like what you're hearing, if you're a new listener, I know we've picked up a lot a lot of you from uh, from Parlor. If you do like what you're hearing, please do pass us along to friends and family. Uh, we would really appreciate that. It costs you nothing. We do this for free on our own time every day, and we would really appreciate it if you would pass us along and just subscribe to us. We, we would really appreciate that. That would mean a lot to us. Thank you very much. So thank you for your time today, Bruce. And from all of us here, wherever you are in the world, we thank you for listening because it's all of you that listen that make this all possible. We love you and we love freedom and independence. And together we'll continue to fight for those in the marketplace of ideas. So we'll see all of you tomorrow. 